0: Good morning, church family. Today, Lauren and I have the joy of going to my last church where my ministry all got started as a youth pastor Crossroads Church as they're having their official 20th anniversary celebration this morning. So we definitely want to be a part of that. And so that's why I'm coming to you via video for the sermon because this is the first sermon in the whole series. So I figured I've got to be the one starting it all off. So that's why I am preaching this uh, through video, but not in person, because I really wanted to get this first sermon through to you. So you can open up your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes. If you missed the intro last week, there was some introductory material you're going to want to catch. And also, it was Vision Sunday last week, so you missed a lot. You've got to go on our website or an app, and you've got to watch last week's sermon if you missed the intro, because there's a lot that we covered. So Ecclesiastes chapter one is where we are going to be. We met the author last week, which is traditionally ascribed to Solomon, or at least the voice of Solomon, the embodiment of him. And Solomon was raised royalty. He was the son of David, the giant slayer. So if he lived today, uh, Time magazine put out its the world's most influential people, 100 most influential people, and of course. There's royal family members on the cover, but let me tell you this, if Solomon lived today, he'd be on the cover, all right? Royalty, wisest man, richest man who was alive in his day, and this is what you got to think when you think of Solomon. So he is writing from a place of affluence. He's writing from a place of wisdom. It's likely later in his life after he's had time to live a lot and explore things. And that's where we arrive in the book of Ecclesiastes. We learned last week this is a wisdom literature book. And because it comes across as being kind of in process, his journey, his search for meaning, it almost sounds at times like it doesn't even belong in the Bible. Like, is it okay for him to be writing these things and asking these questions? In fact, if he were asked to write an article for Time Magazine, as one of the most influential people who's ever lived, he might entitle his article, Life is Lame. It's like an alternate title for the book of Ecclesiastes, Why Does My Life feel so lame. He's coping with a sense of despair from ground-level perspective of life on earth. We're going to learn that really the Bible, church, God's presence is a place where we can ask questions like this and where we can find satisfying answers. Let's pray and then we'll get into the word together. Father, I pray that you would meet us in this study, meet us in this book. Speak through me and help people to understand why we feel uneasy and out of sorts here as we make our way through this life, help us to understand our questions and our doubts and our fears and even our despair, and to understand where these questions should lead us. Thank you that you include these things in this book, in, in the Bible, so that we can know that we can ask hard questions of an Almighty God. And I pray that you would take us on this journey, just a Solomon search for meaning. Help us to find that or to rediscover that as well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I hope you're in Ecclesiastes chapter 1. If you didn't learn the books of the Bible growing up, I didn't. You might still be looking. Just check the index in the front of your Bible and you'll find it. Here's what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 1. The uh, title there is, All is Vanity. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. Vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? This is the question. This is the question. And you can take notes. We have a note sheet in your bullets, and The first thing you can write down is this. Number one, life seems to be pointless. Life seems to be pointless. It's a two-point sermon, and the first point, we will camp on a lot more. The second point will come much more quickly so you have an understanding of the balance here. But life seems to be pointless. Uh, The ESV says vanity. The NIV says meaningless. Life is meaningless. It's all meaningless. Now the words in the Bible are trying to translate a word in the original text. And in the original text, it just means a mist, uh, a, a breath, a vapor. Life all is just a breath or a vapor, and so I, I brought here a little spray bottle, and what he's saying here over and over again is, uh, life is that. That's all it is. He said, it, it, it's just this. That's it. It's, it's vain. It's, it can mean, in its word range of meaning, it can mean worthless, or empty, or futile, or broken, or unfair, unsatisfying, sad, fallen, or fleeting. Fleeting and futile are the drums he keeps beating. It's kind of a downer of a message to get started. He's got a lot to say, and he begins with, mist, vapor, it's all a breath. People all around you feel this way about life. They're all around you. And this book is actually a great book to share the truth with other people. When I was a college kid, I looked in this book and read it. I didn't know my way around the Bible, and I immediately knew what Solomon was saying because I had felt those feelings. What is the purpose of life? Is there even one? Now, I was feeling those feelings at Denny's with my friends. Solomon was sitting on a golden throne thinking the same thing. Whatever walk of life people are in, they're feeling this way. And maybe you are too. I remember when I was in college, I worked as a DJ, but we also were an entertainment company, so I worked as a clown. That's right, a clown. So I'll never forget, I went to this party at the Owensia Country Club for the 4th of July, fun time of the year. Cost so much money to be a part of this country club, I couldn't even imagine. Rich people everywhere, the food, the decadence, and it's 4th of July, fireworks are going off, I'm dressed like a clown. So I was in the bathroom getting ready to go out and there were two other guys in this bathroom and I mean it was a bathroom in a rich country club, right? And there was this older guy who was taking his time, washing his face, looking in the mirror and this younger guy who was in a hurry to get in and get out. Maybe his wife was waiting for him with kids too. In either case, they were probably bold, filthy, rich, and there I am, dressed like a clown waiting to use the sinks. And then something happened that blew me away. The older guy who was just washing his face and looking in the mirror, looked over at the younger guy. And he's, they didn't know each other. And he said this, the thing about prosperity is the boredom. And the other guy just like looked up at him and washed his hands and finished and left. And then the old guy just looked at himself again, right back in the mirror. And, and there I was, a clown. Apparently I wasn't helping the situation at all. But I was deeply impacted by that moment because I don't know how much money this guy had or the life he lived, but he still wasn't happy. The boredom, he said, the boredom. And I think he was trying to warn the other guy, there has to be more. People feel this way all around you. Life seems to be pointless. Christians feel this way and sometimes wonder if they should. Why, after all that I've learned, after all that I've done, after everything that's happened, do I still feel like I just don't know if it's worth it, or don't know what the point is, or don't know if I matter? Maybe you still feel this way and you struggle with this. Solomon was, vanity of vanities, vanity of vanities, all is vanity, what does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? He gives us now reasons why he feels this way. Why does life seem to be so pointless? Well, jot this down because it is fleeting. Because it is fleeting. It's so fast. Time flies. Time flies when you're having fun. So often, people will tell you when you have kids, enjoy it, because you'll blink and they'll be grown up. Time flies. It's fleeting. That's one of the reasons why he feels like it's pointless. Verse 4, a generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. He is huge what he just said, a whole, whole generation of people. Imagine, imagine the greatest generation, a lot of movies, documentaries about them, lived through it all, the Great Depression, World War II, the, the greatest generation, and they're tracking right now when the last member of that generation is going to go off this earth, and then they will be gone. They came. And they went. We came, all of us, imagine the sum total of what every person on the planet right now is doing and becoming and thinking and saying. Add it all up and the day will come when everyone who's alive today will finally be off and there'll be another generation here. And then they have their chance. Generation comes, generation goes. Life is so fleeting. If my calculations are correct, you know, I'm in my early 40s. I don't know. I'm at the midpoint. My calculations might be way off, but I might be at the midpoint, maybe close to the midpoint. Maybe I'm already past the midpoint. Halftime. And so there will be less years ahead than there are behind. And I have to wonder at times, who hit the fast forward button? Two high school kids, one in college, growing up fast. I feel it. I feel it. Do you feel it? Do you feel time flying? And does it make you uneasy, like, where's the break? Where's the break here? It's so fast and I can't slow it down. A generation comes and a generation goes, but the earth remains forever. It's so fleeting. Musicians often try and capture this in their songs. You know, when I was first saved, I loved classic rock. I listened to bands like Pink Floyd. And uh, Pink Floyd had a song on the dark side of the moon called Time that touched on this very subject. I'm going to play a clip for you because it totally ties into this topic. Check it out. Here's a clip. Lloyd is wrestling with that idea, singing about it. The song goes on to say, every year is getting shorter, never seem to find the time. Musicians know, time flies. And that feeling makes us feel like life seems to be pointless. It's so fast. Other places in the Bible affirm this. In Psalm 144, it says this, man is like a breath. His days are like a fleeting shadow. Man is like a... Is it? So fast. And we'll touch on this in a bit, but is this true in the New Testament also? Like, is this really the way the world is? Or is Solomon, like, overreacting here? It's true in the New Testament as well. James 4.14 says, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. There's that, there's that word again. You are a... It's fleeting. It seems to be pointless. He goes on to say this, jot this down. It seems to be pointless because it's repetitive. It's fleeting and it's repetitive. Write that down. It is repetitive. It says in verse 5, "...the sun rises and the sun goes down." and hastens to the place where it rises. He looks at the sun. The wind blows to the south, goes to the north. Around and around goes the wind. And on its circuits, the wind returns. Now he's looking at weather, cycles, the wind, maybe even the seasons coming and going and coming and going. Then he's looking at water, verse 7. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. Now there's a water cycle. And the idea here is all of this effort, all of this activity in nature, and the sun's coming up and going down, and it's never over. It happens again tomorrow. The wind blows, and the seasons change, and then there they go around again, and look at all that water surging past me into the sea, and then it just goes right back down where it was. The cycles in nature here make him feel like we're just stuck in this repetitive cycle, and it makes him feel like everything is just pointless that all the toil of an entire generation comes and goes and even nature is coming and going and it's never done never full never never enough i like the thought of the sunrise and the sunset one more day maybe you feel at times like it's just another day the same old thing the same routine the grind the rat race and i'm stuck in it i'm trapped in it it's taking me nowhere You remember the Fiddler on the Roof, if you've ever seen that musical? One of the songs, wedding song, says, Is this the little girl I carried? Is this the little boy at play? I don't remember growing older. When did they? Sunrise, sunset. Sunrise, sunset. Swiftly flow the days. Swiftly fly the years. One season following another, laden with happiness and tears. Artists get it. And you feel it too. Life is repetitive. Another winter is coming. Another load of laundry. Another fight with your spouse. If you're single, another bad relationship. Feeling alone again. Nothing changes. Do you ever feel like nothing here changes? Sometimes you get stuck in that rut. Romans 8 says creation groans in a cycle of futility, waiting for freedom and glory, creation in the earth and the heavens knows that under the sun, this life is cursed and it can't deliver. It's repetitive. It's fleeting. By now, you want me to tell you something good, I'm sure, right? You want me to like balance this truth that I'm sharing with you with some sort of like but there's a good creator and he makes nature good nope I'm not giving you any of that because Solomon's not giving us any of that no we're moving on to the next point and it's going to get worse it's fleeting it's repetitive jot this down life seems to be pointless because it doesn't satisfy it doesn't satisfy it says in verse 8, All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. Now he's looking at people again, nature, and now people. The eye is never satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be. So, and he says, And what has been done is what will be done. And there's nothing new under the sun. This is materialistic, fatalistic, under the sun, looking at earth from ground level, describing human experience. And what he's saying is this, it doesn't satisfy. I've seen a lot with my eye, yet it's never happy. It wants to see more. I've heard a lot with my ears, yet it is never done. I want to hear more. And and by the way, it's all been done anyway. If I see it, it's nothing new. And what is new is going to pass away Wow. So it doesn't satisfy. Solomon was commenting on how it just gets old. Now, some people might say, really? I mean, in our day and age, there's plenty of things that are new. Well, let's actually observe the fact that he was more right than he could have possibly understood, because we know now, scientifically, when it comes to physics that he didn't have any way of knowing this in his time, but matter and energy cannot be created or destroyed. We live in a closed system, right, in this universe. It can only be transferred. That's Einstein's old theory of relativity. In other words, there at the core, the atomic level of this universe, there really is nothing new ever. He was so right. And our knowledge has only confirmed that. It's just moving around. But we've got technology, right? There's a lot of new things like quantum computing and virtual reality, and Solomon didn't have Bitcoin, self-driving cars, yes, yes. There can be new things that come on the scene using the same old matter, right? Here's the thing. They become part of the same unsatisfying cycle just like everything else. How long did that iPhone 2 make you happy? Where is that, by the way? And the iPhone 13 is out now. How long is that going to last before it goes to the dump like everything else? See, these are just part of now the coming and the going of everything in this world. And I think the digital age has just actually made our appetite more picky new series on Netflix, new songs. Think of all the songs we can listen to on Spotify and and after so much entertainment that we can just feast our bodies, our minds, our hearts on. And are we full? Can we ever say it's enough or do we need the next thing the next day? Let's face it, it doesn't satisfy. Never gets to the point where we're like, it's enough, I'm permanently happy and full. It's never enough It doesn't satisfy. Comedians know this. Louis C.K. gave a great interview on Conan, and the question he was asked was, why won't you let your daughters get a cell phone? His answer was profound. Check it out.
1: You know, underneath everything in your life, there's that thing, that empty, forever empty. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) That's... Yes. Yes. Yes, I... Yes. Yes, just I know that, what you're talking about. that that it's all for nothing and you're alone. You know, it's down there. And sometimes when things clear away, you're not watching it, you're in your car, and you start going, oh, no, here it comes, that I'm alone, like it starts to visit on you. You know, just the sadness. Yes. Life is tremendously sad just by, you know, being in it, and so you're driving. And then you go, uh, that's why we text and drive. You never feel completely sad or completely happy. You right. just feel kind of satisfied with your products. Yes. And then you die. <laughs> so that's why I don't want to get a phone for my kids. That's what
0: I <laughs> Here's what's amazing. He and Solomon would have had a great conversation. He, I get it. I get what you're saying. And what I love about his heart there is He's in essence saying he doesn't want his daughter to have a cell phone because he wants her to face the inherent sadness of this life to cope with it and learn that it's real. She doesn't want, he doesn't want her to be distracted from that. He wants her to encounter that and to learn to live with that. Guess what? That's exactly what Solomon is doing. He wants us to face it. He wants us to see it. He wants us to feel it, to encounter it, and to not get distracted, because we've got to ask these deep, big questions. We've got to find answers. Why does life feel so unsatisfying? This was written by a man who had a $40 billion a year income in today's dollars, and some economists estimate that if he lived today, given the gold that came in, he'd be worth over $2 trillion. And he says, doesn't satisfy. Wow. Life seems to be pointless, fleeting, repetitive. It doesn't satisfy. Jot this down and it seems pointless because we'll soon be forgotten. Verse 10, is there a thing of which it is said, see this is new? It has been already in the ages before us. There's no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. It's going to be forgotten anyway. You came up with something that was interesting in your time, they're going to forget you the fact that we will all soon be forgotten burdens him burdens him deeply well it's, even if we do get something we're just like one pixel on a screen that just bursts for a second and then just fades again and that's that have you felt this have you have you felt this That time will soon wash away all evidence of your life Maybe your distant relatives, your great-great-great-grandkids will have some USB key if they even use those anymore with pictures from your life. Maybe they'll put a frame up of you somewhere. But all of your footprints in the wet sand will soon be washed over by a wave, and there'll be no trace of you or me. or Everyone who's on the planet now for that matter. Solomon saw this coming, and it burdened him to think about it. Life seems so pointless. It's fleeting. It's repetitive. It doesn't satisfy. We'll soon be forgotten. Luke 12, 20, Jesus told the story, right, about a man. who's rich, got all this money. What am I going to do? I'm going to build bigger barns. And here's what he said in Luke 12, 20, God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? Fool to and this is what Solomon's doing. He's trying to replant Eden for himself. He's trying to build this paradise and he can't quite get it right. He can't quite feel like he's there. And he knows that he can't stay here forever. We'll soon be forgotten. Soon, soon, sooner than you think. And jot this down because more knowledge creates more sorrow. All of this learning is just making him less happy. It says in verse 12, I, the preacher, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I've seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and a striving after the wind. There's that famous portrait. It's just chasing the wind. The idea there is you're running after something you'll never catch, you're reaching out for something you'll never grab and you can't hold on to it even if you catch it. It's fleeting, it's faster than you, and you can't get it. Life is just going. The more knowledge creates more sorrow. He says, what is crooked cannot be made straight, what is lacking cannot be counted. So life is portrayed here as crooked and lacking. Something's missing down here under the sun. Verse 16, I said in my heart, it's a testimony, I've acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me, and my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. I applied my heart to know wisdom, to know madness and folly. So he's learning what's foolish, what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad. You can see him, this is echoes of, of Eden, right? Eating from the tree of the knowledge of what's good and what's evil, and he's, it's good to figure out what's wise and what's foolish, but it's not giving him life. That was found on another tree. I perceive that this is also but a striving after the wind. Verse 18, for in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. I remember those commercials. They'd tell you something new, and then they'd say, the more you know, right? Solomon's like, everything's pointless. We're just a breath. I can't find a purpose to it, and I'm the richest, wisest guy who ever lived. The more you know. It seems so sad and depressing. Wow. Wow. Hey, despite your best efforts to know the best way to live, doing the best that you have, trying as hard as you have, do you feel that emptiness? Do you feel like life is pointless? This is for Christians and non-Christians. Do you struggle with, am I really making a difference? Are things going to turn out the way that I thought? And, And what comes next when my time draws near? Have you felt that? Have you asked the question, what gives lasting substance to life? Solomon's answer in this book is nothing on earth. What gives lasting substance to this life? Listen, nothing on earth. Bingo, Solomon. You have to face that reality too. Nothing on earth can satisfy your soul. Though you game the whole world, your soul will still be unsettled. So it would be appropriate for me to just say amen, and to say, I'll see you next week at this point, because that's all Solomon did. He took us on this tour of despair. Why am I still not happy? And I kind of want to make you sit in that too for a while, but here's the thing. Every book of the Old Testament points to Jesus Christ, and I want you to see that the search Solomon went on that he began really ends in Jesus Christ. And so number two, you can jot this down, and this point will be briefer. But number two, write this down. Jesus alone gives life meaning and purpose. Jesus alone gives life meaning and purpose. Everything Solomon says is actually true under the sun, but when you get over the sun, that's where you find reality that lasts forever, eternity. Jesus Christ gives life meaning and purpose some say Solomon's wrong to even say these things, right? It doesn't even belong in the Bible, but here's the thing. What he's saying is true. The New Testament affirms it. Only Jesus resolves this tension. And so in 1 John two fifteen to 17, here's what it says. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Do you see how this affirms what Solomon is saying? Everything in the world is passing away. Yes. So don't love it. That was Solomon's temptation. He wanted the whole world. Oh, he started with God, but it wasn't enough. He wanted to add everything else, and it didn't fill him up. David was a man after God's own heart. Solomon started at God's heart, and then he went after Solomon's heart. Maybe you've done that too. Maybe you walked away from God a long time ago, and you had the bare minimum, the basics, but now you wanted it all. And you're empty. Jesus alone can give your life meaning and purpose. Jot this down, because he came from heaven. Because he came from heaven. Jesus stepped down into our world from another, better, brighter, bigger world, heaven, and he brought abundant life with him. Therefore, only Jesus can secure your place in a world that will completely satisfy your restless soul. Someone once said, this world is not the best of all possible worlds, but it is the best means to the best of all possible worlds. Do you get that, that this world is meant to take you through to the life that is truly life. It says in Philippians 3.20, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, do you believe that? Do you rest your soul in that reality? Has Jesus become your Savior and Lord, and has he given you citizenship in heaven? He said, I go and prepare a place for you. Do you know you have a place waiting for you there? That's what fills this life with joy. Do you believe that? Christmas, when Jesus came down, broke the broken cycle of this world, and the angels sang. Has Christ been welcomed into your heart? Is there room for him there? Have you fallen on your knees and worshiped him like those wise men? That's why he came. Jesus alone gives life meaning and purpose because he came from heaven, and jot this down, because he's building an eternal kingdom. He's building an eternal kingdom. Solomon couldn't do that. But Jesus is building a a kingdom that will never pass away. We're told to seek first his kingdom and his glory. Solomon actually sought first Solomon's kingdom. No wonder he kept going to dead end after dead end. Jesus warned us you could gain the whole world and forfeit your soul. First things first, we are to seek his kingdom. Colossians 3, 1-4 says this, If then you have been raised with Christ, meaning Jesus died and he rose again in victory. When we put our faith in him, we die and we are raised to new life. We are born again. Has that happened to you? Seek the things that are above, where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Get this. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. you've died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, I love this, who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Solomon didn't have a lot to say about the next life. Much was veiled from them. And where his wisdom ran out, he didn't let his faith kick in. But we know what comes next. And when he appears, we will be with him in glory. Do you look forward to that, the eternal kingdom of Christ? Do you know how your story ends? And it's not down here. See, too often, Christians, we can get comfortable down here. Maybe you feel like time is racing away and you're losing a little control because the kingdom you've built down here, you know, is not going to last forever. And maybe we have to store up our treasure in heaven, right? We have to be reminded that this world is not our home. We are not meant to replant Eden here to get everything perfect. We are meant to be passing through. The body is called a tent. Paul says it's a tent that will be folded up. I've been camping. It's not happy to fold up a tent and put it in a bag. It's dirty, right? It's temporary. That's you. That's me. It's just a tent. We try and build our palaces down here and they won't last. He is building an eternal kingdom. Hey, Jesus alone gives life meaning and purpose. Jot this down. Because he's making all things new, including us. Because he's making all things new, including us. Is there anything new? Solomon asked, and Jesus showed up and said, Yes. Yes. Revelation 21.5, He who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Everything's getting remade. New heaven, new earth, new you. In Christ you become a new creation. Solomon was longing for what was right. I, this world won't satisfy me. Is anything new? No. But someone is going to come. Someone worth living for. Someone worth dying for. Someone who can give you new life. That's what's going to make life worth living. 2 Peter 3.11-13 to 13 helps us to apply this. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, meaning the universe is going to be destroyed, what sort of people ought you to be? in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. Yikes! But according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heaven and a new earth, in which righteousness dwells. Do you see how we can face that same problem Solomon did? And we can feel that burden and wonder what he's wondering and fear what he's fearing, but come to a different conclusion... Here's what C.S. Lewis said. I love what he said. He said this, If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. You see, it's true. This world can't fill you up. This world can't satisfy you. It was never intended to do that. God had such big plans for us to dwell with Him in glory forever. And I wonder, have you ever committed your life to Jesus Christ? If not, your life is going to be stuck in Ecclesiastes 1 for the rest of your time. No point, no purpose, time's flying, nothing's going to last, soon I'll be gone, and that's that. But there is a better ending. If you trust Jesus Christ and ask him to save you, he promises to take you to paradise. Even the thief on the cross was promised that he would be in paradise that day. Maybe you've walked with Christ for a long time and you struggle with these feelings too. Maybe life didn't turn out the way you thought. Maybe you didn't have the impact you wanted. Maybe your family members are just not going on the road you wanted them to go and you feel like you're chasing the wind. Didn't get it again. Or maybe like Solomon, you actually did get where you wanted to go. You did get what you had hoped for and you're still not happy. And you wonder why. Hey, hey, Jesus Christ alone can fill your soul with glory in this life and in the next life. He alone is able to do that. Jesus alone gives life meaning and purpose. I want to close by reminding us that we are starting a discipleship challenge on the book of Ecclesiastes today. And I would love for you to take the challenge, join Solomon's search for meaning. Pick up a packet in the gym on the way out, and there will be a progress guide with six different steps of what we're doing together as a church. If you do the challenge, it's going to take at least four weeks. You get a t-shirt, and because this is kind of an 80s vibe, you get a fanny pack, and there's a gift card drawing. It's going to be awesome. You're not going to want to miss out. And so you've got to memorize uh, four verses from the book of Ecclesiastes, and those are listed here. Memorize all four, then you just have to say one. So it's kind of an honor system and you can say the shorter one if you want to then you have to invite three people to church invite a couple and someone else invite three people to church then you have to pray through the fall prayer calendar and you can pray through more than one thing a day right but uh you know don't race through it all in one day but pray through the fall prayer calendar uh, fill out a work for christ card if you're already serving on a ministry team you're done you don't have to serve on another ministry team But if you're not serving on a ministry team yet just uh, fill this out and request information about serving you just got to get the ball rolling and then the sixth thing is you have to attend four church four weeks in a row and you can do this online too if you couldn't make it in person you've got to watch the service online all this will be on the website so you can take the challenge at home as well if you're not attending in person I want everyone in our church including small groups and for small group leaders this is mandatory to join the search and let's go on the discipleship challenge. Oh, and the one I forgot too is you have to read through the book of Ecclesiastes. That was number two. You have to read through the book of Ecclesiastes. So let's go get going on the challenge and let's invite God to meet us on this quest. Hey, let's close in prayer together right now. Thank you, Father, that there is a book that's so honest with the way we often feel. Lord, I know there are a lot of people in this life all around us who are feeling like it's not Worth it. Clock in, clock out. Boss isn't happy. Kids aren't happy. They don't know what to do with that. Help us to meet them and to even get them to read this book and to find out that you care about these feelings. Lord, Christians feel this way when they don't end up where they thought or when they do end up there and they're still not happy. Lord, remind us we are not to love this world or anything in this world. What a challenge to fix our eyes on you. Lord, I just pray that you would meet us in a powerful way as we bring our questions and our doubts and our struggles to you. Fill our hearts like only you can, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.